Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a BC First Nation responds to the Prime Minister's expression of regret. I want to thank uh, Chief Casimir of De Kamloops uh, for the conversation we had over the weekend, in which I apologized for not being there uh, with her and her community uh, for this important day. Will the government extend COVID-19 benefits that are set to expire this month. The fourth wave uh, and the Delta variant are hitting parts of the country particularly hard. And we know that government policy very much needs to be mindful of that. And we are going to be there for Canadians across the country in this fight against COVID. And Jugmeet Singh says he's willing to withhold votes if the Liberals table legislation he doesn't agree with. We're not going to take the, the pretty words or the, or the nice words for granted. We're not going to say, OK, you talked about it, that's good enough. Oh, it looks like you care about the same things as us, good enough. It's Friday, October the 8th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Toronto Star national columnist Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. <laughs> good morning, Mark. So... The First Nation that invited Justin Trudeau to attend an event on the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation uh, has said in response to the prime minister saying it was uh, he, he regretted uh, not participating. They've said it was an insult and that uh, it was a missed opportunity. Um, so even though Trudeau has expressed regret and said it was a mistake, uh, the story continues. It does continue. I mean, he, the Prime Minister himself uh, this week um, suggested the story would continue because he did say he was going to meet with Tecumseh Tshwetmik. He was going to go there um, to the community and um, and visit with them. What was interesting was that on Thursday um, they didn't. They not only said that it was a missed opportunity uh, to show his commitment to the survivors of residential schools last week, but they said. Um, that it was insulting that he the, that they had not received a response to their two invitations, um, that that had been an added insult. Um, the Prime Minister's office is now suggesting that, well, um, you know, Justin Trudeau never saw these letters. Um, it seems a bit weird to me, though, because their language is always, but, well, the Prime Minister didn't. Well, clearly, senior people must have, because otherwise they wouldn't be saying, well, the PM didn't. So clearly somebody dropped the ball somewhere. Maybe they should just come clean and say what happened exactly. Um, the Prime Minister was um, I was unwilling uh, to really uh, dive into the details about why why he had decided to go to Tofino. And what kind of like his thinking about what had gone through his head in terms of that process, like why didn't he take the time to reflect and honor this day the way he wanted Canadians to? Um, but yes, you're right. So the, the story does continue. And I suspect that um, in some ways it will continue to, not just with this First Nation, but with other First Nations as well that I think are, are deeply insulted by the Prime Minister's decision last week. All right, let's turn to some of the decisions coming up for this government. Uh, and one of the big ones is whether... COVID-19 benefits that are due to expire in a couple of weeks will be extended. What are you hearing about that? Yeah, so in July, just before the election, uh, 
the finance minister, Christia Freeland, um, announced that a number of COVID-related pandemic supports were going to be extended until October 23rd. Now we're hearing a few different things, actually. The government is concerned that the need um, is changing and rapidly declining, and they want to um, kind of pull back on supports that are no longer needed, that they feel are no longer needed. Um, there are at least two um, two support programs that we're hearing the government will extend into November. This is the rent subsidy and the wage subsidy. So these are supports to businesses. Supports to individuals, however, uh, the government doesn't seem to want to go there. At least we haven't gotten any indication publicly that that's where the conversation is going. And even I would say, in speaking behind the scenes with members of parliament, it doesn't seem like the government has um, believes that that is necessary. Uh, we saw, however, yesterday um, when Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, came out of his uh, return back to work caucus meeting, um, that he suggested individuals should not be forgotten. He talked about the pandemic in Alberta and in Saskatchewan to say, you know, COVID is not done and that these um, these benefits should not be uh, stopped, that people still were depending on them. But if I could just, the government is quite consumed with the argument, especially in some places, I would say like in Quebec, where um, businesses blame some of the uh, direct individual benefits uh, for a shortage in the workforce. And so the government is quite sensitive to that. Yeah. And this, of course, all ties into the decisions that will be made when Parliament resumes and, and who will support the government's agenda. And yesterday, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was was speaking about that. Uh, and naturally, he's he's positioning the NDP's support on a on a case by case basis. Um, and and so while I don't think anybody's expecting the government to be brought down early, uh, there is there is going to have to be some negotiation and some give and take for key legislation to pass, right? Yeah, he said two things that that were interesting. One, he said that the Liberals had not yet given any indication they're willing to negotiate or talk. The Prime Minister, I'm like losing track of time, last year, last year when we had a throne speech, um, came under fire for not meeting with the opposition before the speech, kind of get their input. I mean, if you wanted to work together, why was any... Um, contacting them and communicating with them. Um, so it's interesting to me that there's been no outreach to the NDP yet. I suspect that that's coming. But I guess you would expect Mr. Singh to say that he's prepared to withhold the NDP's votes because otherwise, you know, why is the NDP in Parliament? So I think that's just a given that obviously the NDP needs to have some sort of negotiating tactic. Um, but it will be interesting to see if Mr. Singh actually puts anything, um, you know, draws any line in, in the sand in terms of where the NDP support is and what it is that he actually wants. Um, that would be interesting. But, you know, as you know, in this election campaign, one of the big things that Mr. Singh kept repeating was that, you know, the NDP had a track record, that they had been fighting for Canadians, um, and that it was because of them that there were certain programs like the extended or the more generous uh, CERB, for example. So, uh, you one has to think that uh, Mr. Singh is looking for other opportunities to, to show Canadians that the NDP can get things done for them. 
All right. And finally, Althea, uh, the liberals had a gathering yesterday. Um, it was a it was a meeting of the outgoing liberal caucus. Many, mm-hmm. many of those people are members of the incoming liberal caucus as well, but some of them aren't. Um, so it, uh, it was described as having been called at the last minute um, on short notice. Some attended virtually. Uh, there yeah. wasn't there wasn't much about apparently about uh, what the next steps would be for the government, including when the House of Commons would resume, um, nor was there much about uh, kind of debriefing on the election in September, but there were some thank yous, I guess. Yes. So you're right. It was mostly done virtually, actually. Most people attended virtually. It was basically the chance for caucus members to say goodbye to their colleagues who'd been defeated. Um, it wasn't the government is stressing it wasn't an actual caucus meeting because they did not vote, for example, on those uh, four pillars of the Reform Act. It was basically a goodbye to your friends. And, you know, I think there's actually a lot of MPs or a handful of MPs in the civil caucus that remembers losing in 2011. And they know how hard that was. And so, you know, you think of people like Scott Sims, for example, who I think has been in the House of Commons since 2004, um, who was defeated in Newfoundland, um, who unexpectedly and obviously did not have a chance to say his goodbyes um, in the House of Commons in June when other defeated M- or not returning MPs had a chance to say their goodbyes. So, um, you know, it's a it's a nice thing um, to do to your colleagues, uh, but it we're not supposed to view this as a caucus meeting. So we will look forward to the Liberal caucus meeting because they are the um, the only party that did not have had a formal meeting this week. Mm-hmm. All and right. That's what they don't call this. Yeah. yeah exactly. Part of the, I guess it's um, you know part of that season where. We start thinking about the calendar. When is the House coming back? Uh, you know, who's going to be in cabinet? And I think there's a bunch of rumors swirling about. Um, the Prime Minister has to go to the G20 at the end of the month, and then he has COP26, the uh, big environment conference, um, at the beginning of November. So the little, the birds are twerping that October 25th could be. Uh, the next cabinet date, I don't think that's set in stone, truthfully. I think that might move. But, um, and then, of course, it's almost like, I don't know, Mark, do you like have your trading cards for which cabinet minister you think <laughs> is going where? Like, yeah, I haven't so, started that game yet. No, yeah. you haven't? No. So apparently, like, um, the rumors are Stephen Guibault goes to environment and needed a non to defense. But part of this, I think, is almost like wishful thinking, you know, like they want a woman in national defense to solve the problems there. Uh, the liberals ran on the environment. Obviously, Mr. Guibault in Quebec, well-known environmentalist, um, he should go to the environment. So, well, it's yeah. um, it's an interesting season where there's lots of rumors and people who don't know wagging their tongues. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, happy Thanksgiving, Althea. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. That's Toronto Star national columnist Althea Raj. Traveling on September 30th was a mistake, and I regret it. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Tanya Talaga argues it's not enough that Justin Trudeau regrets his National Day for Truth and Reconciliation vacation. Talaga writes... 
Regret is not the best choice of words. I know I'd feel much more than regret if I was caught vacationing on the very first statutory holiday that my own government passed into law. If Trudeau truly wants to apologize, his government should implement all the calls from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, as he promised six years ago. In an editorial, the Toronto Star calls on the government to finish the job on vaccine passports. The Star writes, If the federal government wants to make life easier and more pleasant for Canadians who have done the right thing by getting fully vaccinated, then the job is not yet done. All those who can now enjoy safer travel because of the vaccine requirement should be able to easily flash their standardized vaccination credentials with an internationally recognized QR code. Like vaccine mandates, the Trudeau government promised a national vaccine passport just days before it triggered the federal election. But unlike mandates, it's still nowhere in sight. At iPolitics, Alan Freeman argues Canada is back to foreign affairs, but also to the bad old days. He writes, Canada is back to where it was at the end of the Harper years. Its foreign service eviscerated and politicized, a country in search of a foreign policy whose stance toward the outside world is focused solely on bilateral issues. There's no sign that the Trudeau government is any closer to figuring out its foreign policy direction. Instead, the focus is on one-offs, like what to do with Huawei or the future of that oil pipeline in Michigan. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings. He will also speak with the Premier of New Brunswick. And Governor-General Mary May Simon will visit the Ottawa Mission. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, October the 8th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Tuesday morning. Have a great Thanksgiving.